Good morning, some bees. Uh, we're here at home, feeling a bit frustrated, uh, stuck at home, separated from you, at least physically. And of course, uh, I share that frustration with the writers of the 21 letters in the New Testament. They were all separated from their readers, often against their wills. And so I identify with Paul uh, as he wrote 1 Thessalonians when he said, Brothers and sisters, we are separated from you for a short time. We were no longer with you in person, but we kept you in our thoughts. We really wanted to see you. What challenging times we live in. And for me, it has raised questions, many questions. Why has God allowed this to happen? Where is God in this? It feels so apocalyptic. So where is this all heading? And how do we cope? Many of us are not used to being holed up at home, separated from others. Uh, and many of us find that really difficult. Uh, and we've only been going a couple of days. And then questions about church. How are we going to do church? How are we going to be church in this changed situation? And then in the middle of all this, God is dealing with us personally. Everything's changed. In the twinkling of an eye, we suddenly find ourselves in a different world and we're having to reimagine how to be church in this new context. Uh, and whilst that's hard, and it's uh, hard in many people struggling, there are actually some really exciting prospects for us. If we can only get past our feelings of frustration and abandonment, I'll come back to some of those matters later. First, let's reflect on what's happening using the scriptures as our guide. Uh, the story of God's people in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, is one uh, where we see God involved in wars and disasters and pestilence. So does this mean that this terrible COVID-19 plague uh, has been sent by God? No, not exactly. Let me explain. In the early books of the Old Testament, uh, the Pentateuch and the early history books, the ancient Hebrews had an understanding that everything originates from God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Everything is in his hands. Uh, these Israelites were fervent monotheists and that's important because it was in such sharp contrast with the pagan nations around them uh, who had multiple gods. But as history unfolds we find in the later books of the Old Testament, uh, some of the great prophets, uh, that they came to an understanding that whilst at the kind of high level the bird's eye view, if you like, everything originates from God. Uh, 
Um, when you actually delve down and look at particular incidents, some of these don't originate from the heart of God, but from the devil himself. So, is the coronavirus from God? Absolutely not. It comes from the pit of Satan. It's a great evil that has been unleashed on our world. But is God going to use this plague for his purposes? Well, I guess we'll have to see. But I think uh, there is uh, some amazing opportunities opening up uh, for God to work. And maybe we'll see something of his glorious kingdom coming in the midst of adversity. We've been praying for a revival for so long, but I confess that uh, when I look at what's happening now, I think, yes, Lord, but surely not like this. And sometimes we just have to acknowledge that we don't understand. Certainly things are changing so rapidly and perhaps, just perhaps, we're going to see God use even this pandemic in a good way. I'm certainly praying for that. I mentioned a moment ago that we see in the story of the Old Testament uh, God uh, involved in incidents. Uh, and there's one episode in the Old Testament uh, in particular that stands out to me uh, as being resonant with what's happening right now and that happens in Numbers 21 and I'm going to ask uh, Jane if she would like to read that scripture for us. Hello everyone this is most peculiar it feels very strange okay I'm reading from Numbers chapter 21 Numbers 21, starting at verse 4, the bronze snake. They travelled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient along the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then 
when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Amazingly, this very passage was picked up by Jesus in his discourse with Nicodemus. You remember Nicodemus was a Pharisee who sought Jesus out at night. He was a genuine seeker. He wanted to know uh, how to be saved. Uh, and this is what Jesus said to him in John 3. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus' use of metaphors is incredibly, perhaps even cheeky at times. Um, on one occasion, he likens the kingdom of God as yeast. Well, yeast was usually used as a symbol for sin. In the weeks running up to Passover, Jews, even to this day, uh, do a thorough cleansing of their home to ensure that there is no yeast or hametz anywhere to be found in the house. It's a symbolic cleansing, a cleansing from sin uh, in our lives. And there Jesus uses yeast as a symbol for the kingdom of God. I wonder what they thought of that. On another occasion, Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. Now, a mustard plant was the absolute scourge of God as they were trying to get rid of them. And there was Jesus likening the mustard plant to the kingdom of God. And now Jesus likens the Son of Man to a snake. Now, everyone knows that the serpent in the Garden of the Eden was identified as Satan. And now Jesus uses the same metaphor to refer to himself. What's he playing at? Well, once again, Jesus is trying to challenge our preconceptions, to disrupt our assumptions, to expose the sloppy thought patterns that we've got into. You see, it's not the symbol that matters. It's what's behind the symbol. The snake on the pole in the Numbers 21 story. Of course that is still a symbol of the medical profession to our day. You'll see it in pharmacies and at clinics. Uh, but if you are going to the doctor, you're not going to put your faith in a logo. You're going to put your faith in the knowledge and expertise and skill of the doctor, aren't you? Um, it's not the symbol that we trust. It's what's behind the symbol. And yet, people are forever getting these two muddled up. Even Christians to this day attribute magical powers to baptism or Holy Communion, or the laying on of hands. Sometimes we put unwarranted kind of supernatural importance on our gathering together. We are, after all, the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, God inhabiting the praises of his people. 
and in these days of coronavirus we're not doing any of those things anymore and that's the point we may not be able to be together physically we not, may not be able to break bread and share wine. We may not be able to lay hands on one another for healing, to worship together physically in the same room. But these are the symbols. Are we putting our faith in gathering or God? We can still share the presence and power of God, the unity of the Spirit, which is behind the symbols. Whatever happened to Moses' bronze serpent on a pole? Well, as a matter of fact, we know uh, it was kept as a sacred object in the tabernacle and then many centuries later we hear that it turns up in the time of King Hezekiah and he found that people had uh, got this uh, thing out of storage and that they were now worshipping it they were burning incense to it and so Hezekiah had it smashed to pieces to stop the idolatry we don't worship the symbol we worship what it symbolizes just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Interestingly, one of the apocryphal books uh, called the Book of Wisdom uh, reinforces this teaching. These are uh, writings that were written in the intertestamental period. They're not in our holy scriptures, but they can be quite interesting to read anyway. And the Book of Wisdom, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7 says, Everyone who looked at the metal snake was saved, not because of the snake itself, but because of you, the saviour of all people. Back to those questions at the beginning. How are we going to cope? I know things are hard. Some of the extroverts amongst us are going uh, completely crazy being holed up at home on our own. Uh, others of us who live in very small flats are already uh, feeling the constraints of the tiny living space. What can we do? Bishop Sarah, Bishop of London, pointed out that the term social distancing is actually quite unhelpful and perhaps we should be talking about physical distancing instead because we want lots of social interaction don't we at this time above all others we need each other uh, we want that level of togetherness even though we're physically separated and this I believe is where it starts to get exciting for us as a church how we reimagine church in this new context we want every one of us to connect in somewhere to somebody. Um, before cor the coronavirus pandemic hit us, we had already started 13 life groups uh, and it's a relatively new initiative. And now we're going to start needing many more 
because we want to provide a virtual meeting place for many hundreds of people um, so that you can have a place to share what's going on with you, someone to pray with you, a group where you can open the scriptures together, encourage one another, worship together, practically care for some of us who will need help like shopping to be done or uh, things to be posted or meals to be cooked. And right now we need to shift our church community online uh, from something that has been reliant on us coming together on a Sunday physically to something that is everywhere 24-7 in our homes and in our hearts. What do you need to do to join in? Well, firstly, if you are not already on our database or haven't given us the adequate permissions to be able to contact you, uh, please uh, correct that. You can do that on the church app called My Church Suite. And if you haven't got My Church Suite, just download it uh, off, uh, uh, off the internet as an app onto your phone. Um, and uh, then go to St Barnabas North London and register yourself. Please do that so that we can get in touch with you. But secondly, please uh, fill in the survey, uh, the links coming on the screen now, uh, because uh, that's the means by which we can connect you in to the right place. As we sh shift our church community online, the potential for others to be drawn into this dynamic community is absolutely enormous. Uh, as uh, so many people in our society are fearful and lonely, we can offer them not only a community, but good news that Jesus loves us and offers us hope and a future. I think this could be a, a most exciting time for us as a church. Uh, we may see God at work in a fresh way amongst us. And whatever happens, we'll never be the same again. And I mean that in a good way. How is God dealing with us in this changed world that we find ourselves? Well, if the Bible passages that we've reflected on teach us anything, it is that we really need to keep looking at Jesus. Just as the Son of Man was lifted up, keep looking at him. Keep looking at him. Isn't that the message that Jesus gives to Nicodemus? The writer of the Hebrews says something very similar in Hebrews 12, where it says, we must keep our eyes on Jesus, who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to a cross because he knew that later on he would be glad he did. Now he is seated at the right hand of God's throne. So keep your mind on Jesus who 
put up with many insults from sinners, then you won't be discouraged and give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your mind on Jesus. That's the message that I have for you this morning. That if we can just keep focused on Jesus, we can see this through. We can perhaps even grow in our faith as we learn to worship in different ways, as we learn to pray in different ways, where we press into God in a fresh way, and uh, where we learn to gather, not physically, but in reality, online, uh, and build our community even stronger. So God bless you. Uh, keep strong. Keep your eyes and minds fixed on Jesus. Let me say a prayer now. Father, what challenging times we live in, we ask for your help and your grace to be on us at this time, that we would keep our eyes and our minds focused on Jesus. We pray for the... Uh, advance of this terrible plague that has hit our world and we ask that it would be incredibly less bad than everybody fears but through it lord i we pray that there would be a mass turning to you as people realize that they need something they need something more they need an eternal perspective in their lives and we pray that for ourselves as well, that we would turn our hearts and minds to you, keeping our eyes and hearts fixed on Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in.